one commercial. Hey, it's good to be here this morning, and uh, I bring you greetings from Indianapolis, Indiana. I was actually uh, visiting at a church there last Sunday, and I uh, went to the North American Christian Convention this past week, and just a great time of fellowship with uh, Christian churches and churches of Christ from our, our tribe, Restoration Movement churches all across the country went to Indianapolis this week. There was around 5,000 church leaders there. And uh, if, you, if you're wondering what the convention's really about, it's a time where we come together, and it's kind of like a real exciting time because it's like a big idea swap. You know, we, we'd say, you know, what's going on in your church? And we celebrate the wins, and, and, and we share ideas, and, you know, what, what are you guys doing this year, and what are you doing with this? And so, uh, just a great time, and, and I was just reminded, and I shared with the worship team earlier, uh, when we were taking communion together backstage, um, that it's just, a, it's just a time of unity. There's just a sweet unity when the body of Christ gets together, not just this body of Christ, like here in Enid at Oakwood, but just, you know, the church, the Big C Church, Church Universal, just a great, great time. And uh, so just wanted to bring you warm greetings from a lot of our uh, friends and, and uh, people uh, from the North American. It was just a great, great week. And I, I wasn't the only one that got to go from our staff. Uh, Alan Seibel and Leah got to go, as well as uh, Chris Barnett and Julie uh, got to go as well. So it was just a great time for us to get away and to to, to fill, get our cups filled, but also to strategize a little bit and made a lot of different connections there. So. Today, the title of the message is The Danger of Being Good. And you may think, well, the danger of being good, because you know, being good is a, that's a good thing, right? Well, I think you'll understand as we get into this in just a little bit. You ever find yourself, when you're watching a TV show or a movie, you ever find yourself ever cheering for the bad guy? Have you ever done that? I mean, have you ever done it where some of you may even feel guilty a little bit about that? I mean, you know, sometimes you're, you're like, wait, wait, I should be cheering for someone else here. Maybe, maybe you remember a TV show like The Dukes of Hazard, right? And you would say, well, Bo and Luke Duke and The Dukes of Hazzard, they're, 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 you know, they're good people and stuff. But most of the time, they're, they're getting chased by the police and they're breaking the law sometimes. But if you watch that show, if you ever watch that show and you're familiar with it, you're like, you, you get what I'm saying. So you're kind of cheering for the bad guys a little bit. They're breaking the law. They're running away from the police. But... They're trying to do good, kind of, but they've got to bend these rules to get there. And so, what, what about a movie like Shawshank Redemption? Do you remember uh, Shawshank Redemption with Morgan Freeman? Okay, right? You're, you're cheering for the bad guys there. You know, they're trying to break out of prison. And, of course, none of them have committed a crime, but they're all in, in there. Some of them are murderers. And you find yourself, though, kind of hoping that they'll, they'll get out and, and that there'll be some kind of redemption there at the prison. And I was also thinking about those heist movies. Have you seen those heist movies? You know what I'm talking about? Isn't it like Ocean's 11? And it was like Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13 and 14. And, and then they came out this summer with Ocean's 8. You know, the new one with, with, the, with the ladies in it. And, you know, in those movies, it's the same thing. I mean, they're going to they're gonna steal something. But you watch that movie and you're kind of like, oh, you know, you're cheering for the bad guys again. You're like, oh, man, I hope this works out. And you know how they're going to be able to steal all these millions of dollars and what's going to happen? Well, today, as we get into the Scripture... Today we're actually going to see where one of the bad guys wins. And it's actually a good thing. And I think you'll understand as we read this together. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And as was mentioned earlier in the service, uh, you can always follow along in the app. I know that many of you do that um, on Sundays. And so if you don't have the app, you can go to the Google Play Store uh, get online the Apple Store and just uh, type in there Oakwood Enid. 
Oakwood Enid, and you can download the app and follow along with the sermon notes and outlines, and everything will be right there for you. Today we're going to be talking about this story that tells us a lot about God, how He feels about people, about His character, how He sees us, and how He accepts us, both the good and the bad. Luke chapter 18. And what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of work through this passage uh, verse by verse this morning. Uh, just to give you a little bit of context here, Jesus uh, was teaching and uh, teaching the disciples and some other followers. And uh, He teaches many times in a parable. And it talks about that there in the, in the first verse. And, and what He's doing with a parable is He's telling a story that illustrates a spiritual point. There's always a spiritual message that's behind the story. This is what He says beginning in verse 9. He also told this parable to some, now listen to this, to some of the people that He's talking to here, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. There's a lot in that first verse to unpack. He's telling a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous by their own actions, but they treated others with contempt because they were always looking down their nose at others. And I want you to notice there that the, the, the words that are used there is that they trusted in themselves. It wasn't that they just admired themselves, but they actually were putting their faith and their trust in themselves and in their works in some way. Now, look, now go to verse 10. And this is what Jesus said. This is in the red letters. It says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. And just to bring that into today, it'd be like they're going to church, okay? Temple was, was basically the church for all intentional purposes where the sacrifices were at that time and that day. And, and so two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Now, if you've been around here for some time, you probably know what a Pharisee is and a tax collector, but we're not going to assume that everybody understands that. So it's important that you understand that for the rest of this parable to make sense to you. A Pharisee was a religious elitist. Okay, they, the Pharisees were a sect of the Jews, and their job was to really, in essence, if you really want to boil it down, was to be good. They were the law keepers. They were a lot of times the teachers of the law, the keepers of the law. Uh, they, they thought really highly of themselves, which wasn't a good thing. And they actually uh, took it a step further in their belief uh, about God. They would actually take the Scriptures and then they would define them. They actually wrote an extra set of laws called the Talmud. And the Pharisees would operate by the Talmud. So, I'll give you an example of this. If, if God says in the Scripture that, um, that this is the Sabbath day and you're to keep it holy and you're to make it a day of rest, what they would do is they say, we need to define exactly what a day of rest looks like. So you can't work on the Sabbath. And so they went as far to write how many steps that you could walk on a Sabbath day. And there was a certain number of steps that you could walk, and if you went over that number of steps, then you were sinning because it was considered now work. So you had a very, and so they would literally count the steps. Now that's not what God intended by that law, but that's how they interpreted it. And the reason is why? Is so they could put it on the people that look at us, the Pharisees, we're the religious leaders, and you know, we won't walk more than 250 steps on the Sabbath day because that would officially become work. And so we got to make sure, you know, and they made all these rules and they kind of made it hard to believe in God. They made it hard to want a relationship with God. But they thought they were good. And if you asked a Pharisee, it's like, we're good. We keep the law. Now, did they really keep the law? 
We know what Scripture says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It didn't say all have sinned except the Pharisees. It says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we know they had as much sin in their life. Maybe it was in their attitude and their actions, but everything they said was great, but the way they really were in their hearts wasn't right. They make all these extra rules, but they think really highly of themselves. So that's, that's one of the characters in our story today. Okay, then we have this other character, the tax collector. Now, if you read the New Testament, you see a lot about tax collectors. We, we read a story about a tax collector named Zacchaeus, a wee short little tax collector, right? If you know the story of Zacchaeus, he climbed up in a sycamore tree because he wanted to see God. He couldn't see him above the crowds. He wanted to see Jesus as Jesus was passing through that day. But the thing with tax collectors is they were really despised by the Jews because basically they were Jewish defectors. And what I mean by that is the Romans were occupying Israel at this time, and so they were in control. And what the Romans would do is they got kind of sick of doing some of the door-to-door collecting of taxes, but they needed money. And so what they did is they hired some Jews. So these were like Jewish defectors. So it'd be like, it'd be like this. If, if you know some country came in and took over America, and, and you have a neighbor that's been American their whole life, but now they're going to go work for that government that took you over. Kind of caused some feelings, right? It's like you're a defector, you're working for the other team now. And they would, they would collect taxes for the Romans, but a lot of them, they would swindle and they would cheat. They would take extra money and keep it for themselves. Uh, again, you see this all throughout the, the New Testament. And so that is who is in this parable today is we have the really good one and the really bad one, right? We got the Jewish defector that's a cheat and a lie, liar and someone who probably steals money and extorts. And then we have the Pharisee that's just good. It's just good. Let's, let's read on here. So let's go back to verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Verse 12. He starts listing some of the good things that he does. I fast twice a week. And I give tithes of all that I get. It's as if he's bragging there and saying, look at me, look how good I am. And verse 13 says, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the Pharisees were all about status and all about morality and all about reputation. And I think there's something that we can learn just from the setup here and from understanding who the Pharisees are. It's something that can well up inside of us, especially those of us that maybe have followed Christ for a long time. And that is this, that self-righteousness leads to contempt. Self-righteousness leads to contempt. What I mean by that is that we sometimes feel so good about ourselves that we can look at others and we, we compare you know, who we are and where we're at in the faith to where they are, and it can make us feel really good. And we think, man, look how righteous I am. And look how bad they are. 
And it wells up this, this attitude, in it, and it's the opposite of humility. It's really pride, but it's a self-righteous pride. And it can also bring up some indignation sometimes that we just can't stand other people. And sometimes that's true in God's church. There's sometimes where we, we just can't stand other people in the church. And we might find ourselves thinking or saying something like this. How could they? Do you hear the contempt in that statement? How how could they do that? Did you hear about so-and-so? And did you hear what her daughter did last week? How could they? How could they do that? How, how could after what happened last week that we all read about, how, how could they come to church today? I mean, how could they? How could they show up for their small? I can't believe they could show their face around this place anymore. I mean, how could they? You ever find yourself with that attitude? You ever find yourself saying that? Maybe, maybe you say something like this. Well, I would never. You'd never find me doing that. I would never associate with those people. I would never involve myself in that kind of activity. I would never. And you, and you see this. And, and right now you're just kind of like, yeah, man, that's, that's really negative. And I can see the contempt there and, and, and that self-righteous attitude. And to us right now, it's a turnoff where we're sitting out in the pews right now, right? We're in church anymore. That is a turnoff, man. I can't believe people. That, but, but think for yourself for a second. Examine your heart and your mind and say, have I done that? Well, I would never. How could they? You ever find yourself doing that? And you may say this morning, well, I associate more with the Pharisee. And I want to encourage you this morning by saying this too, is you, you cannot let yourself get caught up in the comparison trap. You can't let yourself get caught up in the, compa- in the comparison trap. Because if you sit there and you start comparing your deeds to someone else's, I guarantee you, everybody in this room this morning, I would venture a guess that everybody here could find somebody that is less righteous than you. Like in the truest sense of the word, you can find somebody that maybe sins more than you, that maybe has some vice that they're trying to work through in their life. That, that you know, I mean, you could go. Uh, being in a big city like Indianapolis and being downtown at the convention center, we walk everywhere. I think I, I, I'm not sure how, how many miles I walked this week. I think it was like almost 40, 45 miles I walked this week. But in walking everywhere, there was uh, these people on the street corners many times, and they're begging for money, or they're playing music, or they're doing whatever. The newest thing that happened this time, because I've been in Indy about uh, six years ago for the this same conference. Um, this time, they didn't speak to you, and a lot of them didn't hold up a sign. They shook a cup at you. Like literally, no words. They just took a cup that had change in it, and they would just shake it. So you would not hear anything, and then as you came to the near to the crosswalk, they would sense your presence or they'd see you and they'd just start shaking the cup at you. You know? And, and I'm sitting there sometimes with a little bit of contempt, trying to protect you know, my, my girls and my, and my family that are with me, and they're going, what's going on, Dad? Are you going to give them money? Are you not going to give them money? You know? But it, it's, it's just a little contempt of like, well, look, look at them. You know? I mean, you know, this one's obviously got meth mouth. You know, they got some broken teeth, and there's, there's something going on here, you know. And you kind of walk away from that feeling a little prideful, like, I am so glad that I'm not like them. But that's exactly what's happening in the passage today. How could they? Because I would never do that. 
And yet we forget that we're all sinners saved by grace. Now I want you to notice too the posture in the passage. Okay, look what it says there in verse 11. It says, The Pharisee standing by himself prayed out loud this prayer. Long prayer, right? And then notice what it says. It says there in verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off. You see, when the writer writes this, I think he's wanting us to see the visual imagery. If this is the temple this morning and there's two people here, guess who's down front right here? Front and center. The Pharisee, right? Yeah, because he's so good. And so he comes right down to the front and, and is standing, looking up to heaven with his hands raised. Oh God, thank you that I'm not you know, an extortioner. Thank you that I'm not this. And thank you that I just never have sin in my life. And thank you, really thank you that the guy there on the back row, the one even lift his head up, the tax collector. Thank you that I'm better than the tax collector. And that's the way I see it is that he's down front. He's got his eyes lifted to heaven. Oh, look how great I am. And it says that the tax collector wouldn't even lift his head up. And standing far off. He, didn't, he was one of those that probably didn't want to come to church that day, you know? I know what I have done. Or I know what I did last night. And I just don't see how I can go to church this morning. And so, he's in the back. And he won't even lift his head up. Notice the posture. The posture of pride. And the posture of humility. I mean, who would come to the Savior with that posture of pride versus a posture of humility when you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you. And then you, I'm not even talking really about the prayer. The prayer is real lengthy. But the first prayer is, God, well, I thank you that I, me, and well, I, me, and I'm not, you know, I'm really good and I'm glad I'm not like this and I, and me. And then you get down to the next prayer and say, God, just be, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. You see, I think the most dangerous thing that you could ever be is a good person. Because sometimes we convince ourselves about being good, that somehow is going to get us into heaven. That somehow that us being good and not sinning is going to get us into some good standing with God. And I'm afraid for a lot of people because Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says that many on that day, on that judgment day, will say, Lord, Lord, we attended church. Lord, Lord, we, we, we cast out demons in Your name. We did miracles. We performed many signs. Uh, we, we gave a little bit in the offering plate. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a tithe, but we gave a little bit in the offering plate. So we trusted You a little bit. And um, you know, we did these things. I helped with VBS. I mean, Lord, Lord. And, and what it says there in Matthew 7 is really scary. It's one of the scariest passages for pastors to know is that Jesus says to them, I never knew you. What do you mean you never knew me? I was in church every week. What do you mean you didn't know me? I never knew you. And it's interesting because in Matthew 7, what do they do? They list their works. Well, look what I did. Well, look how I've served. Well, look what I was a part of. But it's about a relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to read about that here in a second because the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith and not by works. You can sit there and think, well, I'm not religious, but at least... I'm a good person. And I'm better than this person over here. You know, I'm not perfect. Isn't that, don't you hate when people say that? I'm not perfect. You're like, duh, I've met you. I know. You're not perfect. What do you mean? Well, I may not be perfect, but at least I'm not that bad, right? The comparison trap. You see, the Pharisee walked into the temple with pride. The tax collector 
stood back in humility. The Pharisee prayed with impressive language and to look important and to make a scene. And the tax collector's prayer was short and sweet and to the point. The Pharisee was overconfident in his performance of religion. And the tax collector was confident only that God's mercy would cover his sins. And I'm here to tell you this morning that every other way of living is a merit system. Which means that you and I will surely lose. Because you can't get or win or live enough merit in your life to get to heaven. And Scripture is very, very clear about this. Because Scripture says that we are only saved by grace through faith. Let's read it. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1-10. through 10. Now this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because I think it summarizes the Christian faith. It summarizes who we were before Christ and what we were. And then God intervenes in verse 4. It says, but God, who comes in because of His great mercy and love for us. And then it tells us of who we're to be in Christ Jesus. Who are to be on the other side of our salvation. So let's read this together and all of it will be on the screen for you. Ephesians 2, 1-10. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were all dead. In which you once walked. You were following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The forces of Satan in this world. The, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Just like the rest of mankind. And verse 4 says, But God... I hear an amen for but God. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, we hadn't done anything good yet, even while we were still dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, not because of anything that we had done, but because of everything that Christ had done, so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, and it is through your faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of your works, so that no one can boast about it. For we are His workmanship some translations say we are his masterpiece the greek word there is poema where we get our word poem that we are god's poem created in who christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand god prepared in advance for us to do these works so that we would walk in them but i want you to notice the works that we're doing that we're walking in them is in christ Jesus, because here's the bottom line. The lost think they're good, and the saved know they're not. And if you think this morning, if you came in and you thought, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. If you came in this morning and you were thinking, then you might be a little more lost than you think. Because the saved know they're not. It's only by the grace of Jesus. I wonder what God would want to hear from us today. I wonder, would you want to hear some justification? Oh God, hey, I did this and I did that. I've been living this way. You know, I don't cuss, meet, smoke, drink, chew, go out with people who do. I, mean, I don't do any of that stuff, God. Oh, 
Would he want a statement like that or would he want more of a statement of truth and surrender? And I wonder, who do you identify with more this morning? If you're being really, really honest, I want you to think about that. Who do you identify with more? The Pharisee or the tax collector? What's interesting is they both need to do the same thing. The self-righteous religious type needs to do the same thing that the tax collector who's stealing from people need to do. They need to be reminded that I'm not good, but I can be saved. And because I can be saved, then God makes me good. And so as a time to just respond this morning, normally here at Oakwood what we do at, the end, at this time is we'll come out and we'll sing a song and we invite people to come over to the decision room. It's right over here. It's a place where you can get prayer or you can talk to someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's going to be available this morning. There'll be some elders and, and, and some, some staff and some decision guides that will love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. But what I want to do a little bit different today is I'm going to invite you to come forward and just to pray. And I'm going to invite you to come forward and to pray in humility. If that's what you feel like God's calling you to do. And we're just going to make the whole platform of the stage. You come kneel on the steps or kneel right up here in front. And I'm going to invite you to come as we sing this song. And come and kneel to pray. And this is what I want you to pray. Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Would you say that with me right now? Oh God, be merciful to me. For I am a sinner. That's what the invitation is today. And maybe you came in today more like the Pharisee and you thought you were really good and now you realize, man, I have been a self-righteous jerk. I can't believe the way I talked about people yesterday when I was at Walmart. I can't believe how I was so condescending to people. I can't believe how I read things on Facebook and I judge people. And If that's where you're at this morning, I want you to know that God responds to you if you'll cry out to Him like this, He responds to you with love and grace and forgiveness. And if there's some of you that you barely made it in here this morning, or maybe perhaps you didn't even come to church and you're actually watching this message online this week sometime, you couldn't even bring yourself to come to church. But that prayer is the same for you. That you would cry out to God and reach out to God and say, Oh God, be merciful for me. Because I am a sinner. God also responds to you who haven't been good at all with love and grace and forgiveness. And so this morning we're going to come into this time of invitation. And again, I just invite you to come forward and to pray. Just, just, just come forward and pray down here. And just cry out to God and say, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner.